Yet love is way too much to give 
Does anyone have a special this morning they'd like to pray? Who? Emmett has one. Emmett, you just got volunteered. It says you be in, ready in season, something like that, or out of season. Well, I guess it got in season. Miss Francis Holder. She said something to me a while back about singing this song. Y'all pray for me as I sing, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I'd ever dream. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. The joy I can't explain fills my soul since the day I made Jesus my King. His blessed Holy Spirit is leading my way. He is teaching and I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I'd ever dream. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Sad, broken-hearted, at an altar I knelt. I found peace that is so serene. And all that he is a childlike trust and a heart that is learning to lean. I'm learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to Finding more power than I'd ever dream. I'm learning to lean. Everybody stand. We're going to sing this chord one more time. I'm learning to lean. Learning. 
Thank you, Emmett, for that beautiful special there. Uh, this time, since our pastor's gone, uh, we've invited Brother Trey uh, Campbell here to fill in for him this morning. If you ain't 74 years old yet, uh, memory get to you sooner, sooner or later. Right? So, Brother Trey, come around and uh, close the service as you see fit. And then more people started coming and more people and I just, I wanted to shut the doors. <laughs> I got nervous. Um, I'm very excited to be here. It's nice to be the fourth string quarterback in the church. Well, your pastor's gone and your associate pastor's gone and Brother Michael's son-in-law is in revival, I think, so I'm what's left. But I'll take it. I'm very excited to be here. I think everybody knows me. A lot of people, y'all know me, and I don't know who you are. Um, but for those of you that don't, I'm Trey Campbell. I'm from Calvary. I'm 20 years old, second year seminary student, and I love to preach God's Word. And when I'm not preaching, I used to work at True Value, so I used to go to services and say, if you come to True Value, I'm the guy that's going to tell you we don't have it. But they got closed because we didn't have it. So... <laughs> Now I work at Fred's uh, across the street, and I'm still new. So now I'm the guy that if you come in and ask me where something is, I say, I don't know. Let me go check. So <clears throat> this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verses six, 16 and 17. almost forgot where my text was. Romans 16 and 17. Um, give you a little bit of backstory for why I'm preaching this uh, text. I love this text. This is one of my favorite sermons to preach. Um, this passage, uh, I got to go to New Orleans this year for the Super Bowl. Um, I met with a bunch of churches from around the country. And what we do is, during the weekend of the Super Bowl, we meet in the town where it is. And we'll spend time fellowshipping and we'll go out and we'll pass out Bibles and tracts to the people that are there. It's really neat because you get to meet... Uh, Exposed the gospel to a lot of people that wouldn't normally ever get to be a part of it. So I'm there with my brother Joel and my best friend Dean and a guy from seminary. His name is Dustin. And Dustin's turned out to be a, a really good friend of mine. So we're there and we're in our little group and we're spread out in about a block. And me and Dustin are passing out Bibles and tracts. And what we do is we say, hey, would you like a souvenir from the Super Bowl? Because the John and Romans that we have... It has a football player on it, and it accidentally looked like a 49er this year, and we didn't mean for it to. So we're passing out the Bibles, and they'll say, if they say, yeah, I want one, what is it? Well, then we share with them the gospel. They have the highlighted verses of the Romans Road. So it's a chance to start up a conversation then. If they say, yeah, and they don't ask, well, they still have the gospel presented to them because they're eventually going to look at it. And sometimes they say no because there are a lot of other religious church uh, groups there, like Westboro Baptist Church, that are screaming preachers. And a lot of them thought that we were the same people, so they didn't want anything to do with what we had. And that's to be expected. So Dustin and I are passing out the John and Romans, and this one woman 
Dustin asked, would you like a souvenir of the Super Bowl? And she said, sure. And she kept on walking. She didn't ask about it. But anywhere from five to ten minutes later, this woman comes back and she's, you can just see anger all over her face. And she said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for wasting the paper to make these. You should be ashamed of yourself. And Dustin couldn't argue with her. I mean, what could you do? So he just took it back. And I walk over to him and I'm like, are you okay? Because you know that hurt him. And Dustin told me, the only thing that came to my mind was this passage, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. So let's go ahead and let's read our text this morning. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Please bow with me. God, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. God, thank you for giving me this opportunity to present your word. I just pray that you hide me behind your cross, word, uh, cross, God, and just give me the words to speak. I pray for everyone that's in this room this morning, for their spiritual being, for their physical being. May everyone here put aside the things of the world that are going on and just focus, focus on the message that you've prepared. God, just give me the strength to speak your words. For us, we fail you. It's your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> this morning, I want us to talk about power. I fear that in today's society, most Christians, we feel like we don't have any power. We feel like um, everyone's persecuting us. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we just have no power. They're trying to take God out of our constitution. They're trying to take God off of our money. They're trying to take God out of our schools. They're trying to do this to us, and they're trying to do that to us. And we just we feel powerless. And we see things like what happened this week with the Boston bombing and the Texas explosion, and we just we feel like we have no power. And I am here this morning to tell you that that's just not true at all. I don't know why we started feeling this way, but somewhere along the line, as Christians, we did. We feel like we have no power, but we do. We have power. We have God's power. And that's bigger and that's mightier than anything that we're going to come across in this world. This morning, I would like to very simply uh, break these verses down phrase by phrase so that we can understand exactly what it means. I don't have any points. I don't have an outline. Um, So just bear with me. I'm not going to be very long, I promise. First thing that Paul says is, For I am not ashamed. Now, I wanted to get a better understanding of this word ashamed. And I couldn't find a dictionary, but I found a thesaurus. That's a joke. Well, it's true, but I meant it to be funny. Um, I didn't have a dictionary, so I found a thesaurus. And some of the other words that mean the same thing as ashamed is to be embarrassed, to feel guilty, to be humiliated, to be disgusted, mortified, to hide something. And Paul is saying that he is not feeling that way. Those are words you do not want to tie together with the gospel of Christ. And Paul is saying, I am not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I don't feel guilty about it. I don't, I'm not humiliated by it. I want people to know. I am, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What's the gospel of Christ? What's the gospel of Christ? It's good news. We should smile about it when we're talking about it. It's good news. It's the redeeming blood that Christ shed on the cross for our sins. It is the gospel, guys. Gospel means good news. You read in the four gospels in the New Testament of all the amazing things that Jesus Christ came to this earth to do for us, to live for us, to die for us, for no reason. He didn't do anything wrong, yet He chose to do it anyways. The gospel of Christ is a free gift that everybody can get. It's good news and we should be happy about it. We should smile about it and we should tell people, 
people about it. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. I'm not ashamed. I'm happy. I want people to know about the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Let's talk about the power of God for a couple of minutes. Think about God's power. The power of God, the same power that God used to speak and bring the universe into existence. There was nothing before God spoke that day. And all of a sudden, stars and galaxies and asteroids and constellations and a whole bunch of other technical astrological things, all kinds of things God's created just by speaking. He made our world. We can't speak and worlds come into existence. We can't create worlds. We can tear worlds down with what we say. And we do a lot of times. But we can't speak and make a universe. The same power that God used to create man out of dirt and then breathe life into it. That's amazing. We can't do that. We can't make something inanimate animate by, by breathing into it. That's the power of God. The same power that God used to manifest Himself as flesh. God sent Himself down to be born of a virgin. And that's a big deal too. I don't know if you guys know this. I just recently found out. Virgins can't have babies. Virgins can't have babies. It's impossible. But our God is the God who makes impossible things possible. We often think that we have a grasp on reality. We think things are a certain way and that's the way it's supposed to be. And our God, if you read in the Bible, is the God that likes to take what we think we know and show that we know nothing at all. God is the God who makes things possible. And God made Himself be born of that virgin and live a perfect sinless life, never do anything wrong, face the same temptations that we do every day and still overcome sin and then die on a cross simply to pay for our sins. Not His own, our sins. That's the power of God. God is an amazing God. He's full of awesome power. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel of Christ, that saving blood, that redeeming good news, it's meant to save us from something. Not in this life, but in the next. It's meant to save us from hell. meant to save us from ourselves. And it is to anyone that believeth. Paul goes on and adds, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's just simply trying to make a point. At this time, people thought the gospel of Christ was only for Jews. And Paul's saying, no, that's not true. God is a God of love and the gospel of Christ is meant for anybody. To the Jews, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to the Samaritans, to the people that the rest of the world casts aside, it's trash. That's who the gospel is meant for. It's meant for everybody. <clears throat> Paul is not ashamed of what Christ has done for him. And if I understand this correctly, and if I'm you take Scripture for what it says, this is saying that the gospel of Christ is the power of God. The gospel of Christ and the power of God is the same thing. So, what that means is once you accept the gospel of Christ, once you accept salvation, that free gift that Jesus freely gave to you, you then have the power of God. 
You have the power of God within you. The same power that God used to make universe and to make man and to make Himself be born of a virgin and to overcome sin. You have that same power within you right now. You are not powerless no matter what our government or society or anybody else wants to say about it. You have the power of God once you accept salvation. We don't use it the same way. No, we've already established. We can't speak and create universes. We can't breathe life into things that don't already have life. But we use it in other ways. We have the power of God. God has given us amazing abilities. Number one, God gives us this ability... um, when we're fixing to do something that we, God knows is wrong, that God knows is going to hurt us or hurt the people around us and ultimately hurt our relationship with Him, He gives us what's called conviction. And that's simply a way for us to know, hey, what you're fixing to do is wrong. Don't do it. It's conviction and it's an amazing ability that we possess. You have it when you're lost, but that's just leading you to, the, to Christ. Once you accept salvation, God uses it in a whole other way. You have the ability to stop what you're fixing to do is wrong. Conviction. We also have this ability uh, called the power of joy. We have the ability to, in a dark, sin-filled world, still have hope, still be happy, still live a non-moping life. Especially with things that have gone on in uh, this past week. We have this ability to be happy, to kind of look ahead. We have the ability to see what's going to come in the future and know that our God is going to come back for us and He's going to reign in His new kingdom and we're going to live forever with the One who created us. And that gives us this ability to be happy when most other people wouldn't be happy. You don't have that ability when you're lost. You have no hope. You're not going to be with the one who created you. But as a saved child of God, we do. That's a power that only God can give. Conviction is a power that only our God can give. And we also have another ability. We have our testimony. And you don't have a testimony unless you have God. It is a power that only God gives. See, the Word of God, it leads people to Christ all on its own. It doesn't need our help. But for some people, they need to see the Word of God in action. They need to see a physical representation. And once you accept Christ, you are that physical representation. You have this ability that God gave you to where you can express and show people God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. You only have that through God. And that affects people whether you see it or not. Whether you know it or not, that ability that you possess, it affects people. Sometimes it's for good. Sometimes it does lead them to Christ. Other times it turns them away. But either way, you have a power that only God can give you. And that's the power of your testimony. And it is one of the most powerful and effective tools we have in our arsenal to reach the lost. It reaches people. We have power in a world that thinks that they don't. We have power whether we realize it or not. We have power. This next verse says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. From, for, <laughs> for therein is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. God's perfectness, God's holiness, God's justness, God's all-knowingness, God's any other adjective with a suffix ness on it. All these things that God is, people are only going to see it through us. I used to hear all the time, you're the only Jesus that anybody is ever going to see. And I thought, well, that's funny, because all the Sunday school drawings are a lot skinnier than I am. 
And his beard is much more luxurious than mine. I used to think that people were literally saying that I'm the only Jesus that people are ever going to see. I look like Jesus. I didn't get it. And as I've grown older, I understand what that means. You really liked that one, didn't you? As I got older, I understood what that phrase meant. You're the only Jesus that anyone is ever going to see because once you proclaim to be a Christian and since we can't see God, that means that the lost are going to see you and what you portray, how you make God look, that's what people are going to think. That's another amazing ability that God has given us. We have the ability to make God look any way we want Him to make. Any way we want Him to look. We have this ability that only God can give us. As a Christian... How you act is how people are going to think God acts. What you say, what you do, the people you're around, they're going to tie that to how God is. And with, to quote a very famous movie, with great power comes great responsibility. This power that God gives us, He freely gives it to us, yes. But with it comes responsibility. And you have the ability to make God look however you want Him to. So let's dig further into this. This mostly applies to younger people, but it definitely can apply to older people. If you're a Christian, you say that you're a Christian. And we live in a small town, okay? So, if you say something, watch it. Because by the end of the day, everybody's going to know it. If you proclaim to be something, everybody in this town is going to know what you're proclaiming to be. So you're a Christian and you live in Hamburg. Everybody knows that you're a Christian. Everybody knows that you are one of God's children. Yet... You like to be on the party scene. You're a partying kind of guy. You're a Christian, yes, but you like to go around and you like to hang around with people that you ought not be seen with and drink things that you ought not be drinking and smoke things that you ought not be smoking and um, engage in things that you ought not be engaged in until you're married. Keep it G. The lost people of this town are going to see you And they're going to think one of three things. Number one, man, that guy's a partying guy and he's a Christian. And man, I didn't know Christians could do that. I want to get saved too. If I can still live the way I want and I can still go to heaven when I die, that's what I want. They're going to accept Jesus Christ under false pretenses. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to truly be saved. And they're going to die and go to hell one day. Option number two, man, that guy's a partying guy, but he's a Christian. Well, he's just as good as I am. I don't need God. I can do whatever I want and it's still going to be okay. They're going to never accept Christ and they're going to die and go to hell. Number three, that guy's a Christian, but he's at this party. I know what Christians are and this isn't them. He's a hypocrite. He's a phony. I don't want anything to do with his God, with his religion, with his church because I don't like hypocrites. And they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. All three options... Involve that person dying and going to hell. Why? Because you chose to live a life that isn't pleasing to God. You chose to make God look a way that He's not. Now this mostly applies to older people, but it certainly can apply to younger people. Let's say you're a workaholic. Let's say all you're ever worried about is working and making money. That's all you ever do. You don't have time for your family. You don't have time for your church. You definitely don't have time for God. All you care about is your job and your money. 
And you could be worried about that simply to provide for your family. It could be the noblest of intentions. I just want to put money aside for this because this might happen and they want to go to college one day and we want to go on vacation and I want to save money for this and this and this and what if this comes up and you're pushing people away and you're making them feel like that you have no time for them. And that's saying you have no time for God. And you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. If you're a man, your wife can only do so much. But ultimately, you're the one that's going to supposed to be leading your house, pleasing to God. Look, your intentions might be noble. You might be doing it for a good reason. I understand. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know what that's like. But I can tell you this. If you live a life like that, you're making your job and your money an idol. You're putting it above God. You don't have time for church and you don't have time for God because you have to work and you have to make money. That's idol worship. God doesn't like idol worship. Not a bit. I'm fixing to fall. God doesn't like it. Do you remember when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt? And he was up on the mountain and he was getting the Ten Commandments from God. And Aaron and all those heathenistic Israelites had created a golden calf. And they were worshiping that calf. That was an idol. And they were worshiping it. They were putting it above God. They just simply didn't have the patience. You remember what God said? He got so angry that He wanted to take them off the face of the earth and He wanted to start over with the new people. He was so angry because they were worshiping an idol. Moses had to intercede for him. Moses had to say, please don't. Please don't. God got so angry over idol worship that He wanted to kill His chosen people. Yet you're making your job and your money an idol. You know, the end of this verse says that the just shall live by faith. Sometimes you've just got to put it in God's hands and let Him take care of it. Quit trying to provide for yourself. Quit trying to rely only on your works and only on your money. Let God handle that sometimes. Let's say you're a stuck-up Christian. Let's say you're a stuck-up Christian. Let's say you've accepted Jesus Christ, and man, all you're worried about is keeping those Ten Commandments and making sure that you're doing this. And man, if anybody else has anything else to say, you don't want anything to do with them. You turn your nose up at them. You cast people aside because of how they dress, or how much money they make, or where they work. I work at Fred's. Don't cast me aside. But you're casting people aside. You're treating them like they're trash because they don't know the Gospel. And people do this. People in churches, they do this. They don't want anything to do with them. They're picking and choosing who they tell Jesus about. Don't do that. That's not what God's about either. God is a God of love. You're making people feel like God doesn't love them simply because they don't meet a certain criteria. And that's not what God's about. God is a God of love. And we're supposed to be His people. So we're supposed to be people of love, showing grace, showing mercy. Not being stuck up Christians. The world is going to look at us and they're going to base everything that they think about God based on what we do. God is giving us the ability to make Him look how we want Him to, make Him look the right way. I'm going to tell you like my seminary professor told me, it's God's name on the line and He's not going to let you ruin it. So yeah, you have the ability. You can make God look how you want. You can decide to live any old heathenistic way you want. But you're not going to do it for very long because that's God's name. He's not going to let you mess it up. With great power comes great responsibility. 
As it is written, the just shall live by faith. How do we live by faith? We've got to figure out in this book. I don't like to call this a book because it's so much more than a book. A book is something that I put on my shelf to let collect dust because I don't like to read. This is God's holy word. This, for all intents and purposes, is the mouth of God. So the way you treat your Bible is how you treat the mouth of God. And if you cast it aside and you never let it speak to you, you're casting God aside and you're never letting Him speak to you. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You want to know how to live by faith? Those Ten Commandments that God gave us, keep them. The Great Commission that God left, that Jesus Christ left with us, do it. There's two, those two words, the Ten Commandments and the Great Commission, they both have the same root word and it's command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not a set of guidelines. It's a command. So do it. Just do it. But the Ten Commandments are hard. Do it. But it's going to be difficult. Do it. But, I mean, it's going to make me look like a geek. It's going to make me look like this. It's going to make me look like that. Do it. God said so. I used to hate it when my parents told me to do it because I said so. And then I learned one day that they know more better than I do. God knows better than you, so do it. I like to be blunt when I'm speaking, when I'm preaching, because God is blunt. God is very precise. There are no gray areas. It's black or it's white. Do it. <clears throat> if you are hiding, if you're not using the powers that God gave you, if you're not telling people about Christ, you're not keeping the Ten Commandments or the Great Commission, then that means that you're ashamed of it. You're ashamed of what God has done for you. God, I'm sorry, I just, I'm embarrassed by the gift that you've given me. I'm humiliated by the powers that you've given me. I don't want anybody to know about what you've done for me. I want to keep it hidden. That's what you're telling God if you're not living by faith, if you're not using the power that He gave you. You might not mean to, but that's what you're doing. My dad always taught me, it doesn't matter what you try to do. What happens is what matters. If you're not doing what God told you to do, you're ashamed of what He's done for you. And don't do that, because that breaks God's heart. I honestly believe that God gets His heart broken by us, by His people. By the way we live our lives, by the way we take advantage of Him. The way we never bother to tell Him thank you, yet in a time of crisis, we're either begging Him for His help or we're angry at Him for not helping. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what He's done for you. We celebrate Easter Sunday one Sunday a year. I think that's stupid. I think we ought to celebrate Easter Sunday every day of the year. Don't be ashamed of what He's done for you. And if you don't know Christ, it's not too late. You might think it is, but again, you're looking at things in your reality and you're not looking at things in God's reality. God's reality is whatever He says it is. And He says, while you still have time, it's not too late. While you're still on earth, it's not too late. Accept what He's done for you. Admit that you're a sinner because you know that you are. You know that you have a past and a closet full of sins that you don't want anybody to know about. I don't need to tell you you're a sinner. You know that you are. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven because He is. He is the only way. Believe that He died for you because He did. That's proven in history books. That's a fact. Jesus Christ died on a cross. You think it's just because He felt like dying that day? He died for you. 
and confess your sins and confess that He is God. Confess that He is your Savior and then spend the rest of your life telling Him, thank you, because He gave His life for yours. Don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. I pray that all of you accept Christ if you haven't. I pray that all of you stop living a life that's ashamed. And some of you may be trying. Keep on keeping on. Thank you. And may God bless you all. I'm going to turn the services back over to you all.